Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Nothing fills me up more than seeing our clients succeed. And uh, one of the things that we've done a lot in the last few years is we've helped people with book launches. We actually just last week had our 11th client that has hit the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or the USA Today bestseller list. And while we love pursuing bestseller lists, we also want to remind people that bestseller lists don't change lives, books do. And our job when we work with the client is to help them get their book into the hands of as many people as possible in a legitimate, ethical, impactful way that actually changes the world. And so occasionally on the show, we are able to have clients of ours who we feel like we have something to learn from and who we feel like you have something to learn from. And that is the case here for sure with Coach Burt. Coach Michael Burt, he usually goes by Coach Burt or just Coach to a lot of people. And we met, he became a client of ours. We're helping him with a book that he has coming out. The book is called Flip the Switch. And it is all about activating your prey drive. And when I say prey drive, it's like P-R-E-Y. So this is something that he is the leading authority on this term, this concept about prey drive. He defines it as the instinctual ability to see something that you want and have the intensity to pursue it. So he was a former championship women's basketball coach, which we'll talk about. He's a 17-time author. And he has been hired by many of the top companies in the world, Dell, Inc., State Farm Insurance, Vanderbilt University, and others just around helping activate this drive in their teams, helping people to have more competitive intelligence. He's been featured on shows like CNBC's The Profit and Entrepreneur Magazine. And he's just really a great guy. I really enjoyed getting to meet him and uh, I'm excited to learn from him. So coach, welcome to the show. Excited to be here with you, man. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So, tell me quickly about your background as a basketball coach and the track record that you had there, because I feel like that's a yeah. I was a basketball player, and so I you know I understand that world. I think that's an important part of of the backstory. Well, you know, I'm in Texas today in San Antonio, and I was speaking at an event, and and a person just asked me what really differentiates you from other speakers and coaches, and I said, well, everybody is differentiated by their unique past, their unique experiences, their unique education, and I started actual athletic coaching when I was 15, junior pro basketball. I was coaching an elementary team at 18. I was uh, at Riverdale High School at 19 while I was in college. And I actually became the youngest head coach in the state of Tennessee at the second largest high school at 22. So I knew very early in life that I wanted to coach, but I was most fascinated by what I called inner engineering the players, building competitive intelligence. So around 18, I went to a coaching clinic in Nashville at David Lipscomb University. And Don Meyer, the great coach at David Lipscomb, said, if you don't read another book this year, pick up a copy of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I, at 18 years old, I went straight to the bookstore. I bought it. I became a huge disciple under Covey for the next seven years, where I really learned how to inner engineer whole person theory, 
I really mastered those seven habits and I began teaching my players those habits. So when you fast forward three or four years, I was really using a lot of business methodology, a lot of personal growth methodology with my players, way more than other people were. We were starting to win a lot of games. And so people were constantly asking me, what are you doing with the kids? So at 25 years old, I wrote my first book called Changing Lives Through Coaching. That was 17 books ago. And I became kind of fascinated with just how do you activate a drive inside of a person? But that started as a decade as a head coach at Riverdale. We won the first of seven championships at that school. And, you know, I kind of became known as this great coach that knew really how to get more out of people. That's what people knew me for. So you won seven state championships. I don't want to like gloss over that. Well, I built, what I did is it took me 10 years to build that place. It never won a championship in 30 years. Okay. So I won the first and then I retired at 31 years old. They were going to win the next seven after I left. Wow. Okay. So, so you were a state championship basketball coach. Yep. You use this term competitive intelligence. Yeah. So define that for me. Well, I think when you look at intelligences, whether you study the work on intelligences, obviously there's IQ, there's physical quotient, spiritual quotient, you know, there's all these intelligences. And I really said what I was building in my players was what I call a competitive intelligence which was kind of a combination of intangible things. My players were smarter than other people's players. They had more chemistry. They had more trust and buy-in. There were more intangible assets that you couldn't measure that my teams had, discipline. And, and so I started calling that competitive intelligence. It's like they just knew how to win at a higher level than other people knew how to win based on the unique methodology I was using to coach them, which came from my background with Covey, right? Me studying under Covey, taking and teaching my players was really building that competitive intelligence in my players. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it's you know, it's amazing. I mean, it's like obviously there's a physicality that matters tremendously in sports. But even in sports, like even if you you look at like Tom Brady for whatever reason comes to mind to me as you go, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a specimen of a physical health, but his physical stature isn't so much more dominating than every other player that's on the field or, you know, even every other quarterback, it's unmistakable that, that, that the mindset plays a huge factor. So how does that carry over for entrepreneurs and for personal brands and for, we call, we refer to our audience, as you know, mission-driven messengers, How, how do you see that kind of construct applying to what a mission-driven messenger does every day? Well, most experts in the world have have had a long cycle of building a primary skill, right? That's the reason they're experts, is they had a cycle of, of, of finding their primary skill, most likely packaging that skill, marketing that skill, and ultimately monetizing that skill. So that decade for me was in the trenches, in the laboratory, learning how to activate the prey drive in people of all socioeconomic backgrounds, high income class, low income class, one parent, no parents, two parents. I was really learning how to win at a very high level, but more importantly, how to take a person and get more out of them. Now, when I started writing books, I had no intention of coaching adults, Rory, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I wanted to coach. I was going to go to college. I was going to be the next male Pat Summit. I was going to yeah. go on to coach at a major university. That was my trajectory. But when I started writing books, People started calling me and said, hey, will you come over and speak to my team? And it was companies like Dale, State Farm, National Healthcare. And I would just go speak for an hour and then go back to the players, right? Go back and coach. Well, 
I would go over and speak and they would say, we want you to come back. And I said, okay, what do you mean? And I said, well, come back once a quarter, come back. And then people started saying, how much, how much would it cost for you to coach our people? And I had never really thought about that. So I'm like, man, I'm a high school coach. I'm trying to win championships. I really love the kids. I'm not interested in doing this, but, but the numbers was six figures. They would say, but I can be bought. Let's be clear. I love the kids. I love basketball, but like anyone, I can be bought. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now, now, the funny thing was people started saying, well, what if we paid you $150,000 to be our coach? And of course, as a high school basketball coach, Ooh. that was a lot more money than I was making. And I was working 80 hours a week, but I hadn't fulfilled my mission, which was to bring a championship to that school. And that's really mm-hmm. what I promised my boss when he hired me at 22 years old. So I didn't, I didn't leave. I didn't retire until I brought the place to a national you know, championship. Then I stayed one more year because I didn't want to retire after I had won a championship, just to show that that's the kind of person I am. And then I retired at 31 years old. And my speaking and coaching career really took off because I was, it was the recession of 08. I retired in the spring of 08. And so banks were hiring me, mortgage companies, real estate companies, home builders, because they couldn't sell anything. And so it was like, man, this dude's got a lot of what, what I call today, prey drive. He's got a lot of energy. He's, he understands how to win. So why don't we start paying him? And I was routinely signing six-figure contracts in 08 to come into companies and try to get more performance out of their people. Mm-hmm. So and how do we do that? that? How do we do that? So so how do we get more performance out of ourselves, our people? How do how do we actually activate this prey drive? Well, this is what I, this is what the the whole new book is about, which is called Flip the Switch. I trademarked the two words prey drive in humans. Uh, An animal has a prey drive. It is the animal's ability to stalk, capture, and kill prey. God gave me the gift of association. I can hear a concept. I can quickly associate, deconstruct a concept, codify it, package it, and then deliver it in a way that activates something inside of another person. And so when I heard that word prey drive, those two words, I'm like, humans have a prey drive. I had this big revelation. I was with my wife at at a conference. The guy said prey drive. I looked it up and I said, humans have a prey drive. It's just not been activated in so many people. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, "That's this is what I've been doing since I was 15 years old. I just didn't know. I was looking for a new way to talk about an old thing, right? I was looking for some day. I was looking for a new way to talk about motivation. And so what I did is I studied the top 20 motivational theories. I deconstructed those theories. I then associated those theories with me, 30 years of me actually coaching all walks of life. I spent four years in the prison system, rehabilitating maximum security offenders. I've coached multimillionaires. I've worked with billionaires. I've worked with people just trying to get started. And I've kind of taken motivation and turned it into a science. So there's three phases of this drive. Has to be activated. And and in the book, I talk about five activators that I have seen. Once the prey drive is activated, then there must be a persistence to that prey drive to really accomplish something big. This is why mastery is so important. And then there must be an intensity to that prey drive, which is targets, timelines, a game to play, a scoreboard, right? And typically people fall off the wagon. So the first step is to figure out the three phases where people fall off the wagon and then go to work on these five activators that I talk about in the book. So you're saying, so step one is it's got to be activated. Number you one, gotta gotta tur- be- turn it on, flip the switch to use the title of the book, right? So right. we have to flip, we have to flip the switch, turn the prey drive on. Then we need to do yeah. something about persistence, like to keep it going. And then you're over saying and over refinement. Okay. Yes. And then intensity, which you're saying is like 
intensity comes from like having a target or a goal or a timeline or, you know, a competition or something like that. So, yeah. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the activation. Cause I have to say that it struck me once I saw the word P R E Y, like when I saw it spelled out, it made more sense to me and it caught my attention of like, you know, I associated it personally with like a killer instinct and basically right. just like, right. yeah, some people are, are turned off. They have no ambition. They have no drive. They have no pursuit. They have, they, they've got, right. they've got nothing that they're going after. And I think it's, there's always there, there. But a lot of people would say you you can't motivate someone. The one thing you can't do is is motivate someone, which I've always struggled with. I don't think I really I don't I don't agree with that. I think there's a number of things you can do, and I feel like you're sort of saying the same thing here. So, talk to us about how to activate it, and you know, and if you want to run, let's run through some of the activators about how to how to flip that switch in ourselves or our team or maybe a child. Yeah, when you when you think about activating the prey drive. It is, it is an instinct's ability to pursue potential opportunity, a better life, right? And most people, it has not been activated. And you're okay. saying it's instinctive. So you're saying that we all have this yes. somewhere deep That's down, right. turned off, buried, whatever you want to say, but we all have the ability to, to pursue. That's correct. Yeah, I think okay. if you look at kids, I have a two and a half year old son and a and a and a twelve week old daughter and a ten year old daughter. And listen, they pursue, they see things they want and they pursue them, right? And and what happens? I just coached a group of real estate agents today, insurance agents yesterday. You know, the best ones pursue opportunity, pursue deals. They follow up. They see something through to its conclusion. They understand they have to activate this drive every day. So when I looked at the five activators, I said, okay, what have I seen that activates people's drive to want more? right? Because satisfied needs never motivate, only unsatisfied needs. The reason we become complacent is because our needs are met, okay? And that's really when you study the motivational theories, they all say the same thing. We move toward things we want. When we're hungry, we move toward food. When we're lonely, we move toward people, right? We move toward things we want and what we think will make us happy. So when you think about activating, I started looking at this. Fear is a tremendous activator of prey drive. Right. And and psychologists would tell you when you're afraid, you fight, you flee. Or there's a third thing they're now saying is you freeze, which is what a lot of people are doing in today's economy. They just freeze. They don't do anything. OK, so fear is an activator of prey drive. When you are afraid of losing something, something that matters to you, it will activate your drive. When you're afraid of going broke, when you're afraid of going back to the way you used to be, when you're like fear can be one of the strongest drivers of a person's prey drive. Now, here's an example. In March of 2020, you're in a very similar business that I'm in, okay? I, I speak, I drive leads. We generate those leads to a coaching business, right? And we generate about 3,000 leads every 90 days right now. Well, in March of 2020, there was no speaking engagements. I was losing about a quarter of a million a month hmm. in my coaching business, right? And, and what happened to me is it activated a deep drive in me it activated two things, a fear and a competitiveness in me, right? The, the old coach in me that didn't like to lose came out. And the fear of losing everything I had worked 20 years to build, which was an incredible life, activated my drive to such a freakish level. I just got to a whole nother level of push and energy and force and creativity. And I actually needed that to activate that drive in me because I had been doing this 15 years and I need, I wouldn't complacent, but, but there was another gear in me I hadn't found yet. 
And through the fear of losing everything, the fear of going back, man, it activated my drive. So, so I push so hard that, you know, six months later in the middle of the pandemic, we did like 1.7, 1.8 million that month, which was a big month for my coaching business. But it all came out of fear. It really started with fear activating my prey drive. Not a lot, of, but a lot of people contract when they have fear. High prey drive people use fear as fuel. So fear is an activator of prey drive, typically fear of losing. The thing that popped into my mind was like a mama bear, a mama bear kind of thing of like, you see your kid getting attacked by some some animal or whatever. And all of a sudden you just go savage, right? Like you just go, you go on them. So that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's powerful. It also, to me, like really reframes that there's a healthy, very much a healthy side of, of fear beyond just staying safe, but like hitting that gear, hitting that gear. So, okay. So fear, that makes sense. What are some of the other ones? Competition is an activator of prey drive. When there's an, when there's an adversary, when there's somebody to beat, when there's somebody who doesn't think you're good enough, when there's a, you know, just any kind of competition can activate your drive. Right. But, but competition, I'm a big believer that you need a game to play a trophy to win. Even if it's in your own, if if it's in your own mind, you need, you know, I was speaking yesterday and I was asking my coaching students if they thought I could convert 50% of the room or higher on purchasing the new book, Flip the Switch, right? Uh-huh. So, so there's, there's a game. So I asked him, so I called a dude out and I said, what do you think? He said, I think you can convert 25%. I said, all right, I'll make a bet with you. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get 50% of the room minimum or higher when I go in and speak to this insurance group to buy the new book, right? So it's competition activating my prey drive because I'm a competitor, Okay, so competition is an activator. Now, you mentioned something earlier. Why is people's prey drive not activated? I actually think it's because they've not been exposed to what a better life would look like. Exposure is an activator of prey drive. When I see something, when I'm exposed to something, when 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 I when I experience something that goes, oh, there's a bit, there's a I could have a better life. I could stay in better hotels. I could drive a better car. I could live in a better house. I could go on better vacations. I could right. Like exposure is a huge activator of prey drive because I see something and it expands my mind. And it's like, man, I want that. I want a life like that. Okay. So environment is an activator of prey drive. Is that in an environment? Are you saying, so is environment number four or are you saying exposure? Environment. So exposure exposure is is number three. Environment is number four. four. Yep. Environment is four, meaning there's expectation. Think about playing at Alabama or Georgia. Think about where there's an environment of expectation. Think about like when I was a coach, we created this environment that we're the best, high standards, similar language, lots of accountability, right? Identity, teaching people, hey, we're the best at what we do, personal pride, being in environments that just bring out the prey driving, right? Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 
And then fifth would be embarrassment. This is what I so write hold about. On, the- hold on embarrassment. I want to talk about that. But but the environment one is interesting to me because it's like winning is such a culture, right? Yep. And losing is also a culture. Like you, I think of like Coach K at Duke or the Yankees or the Patriots or Alabama, right? Like they they win consistently and and i remember seeing a study i man i wish i wish i would have documented where this was but i remember seeing a study and they were studying very very like wealthy successful people and they were looking for what these people have in common and yeah. they found that like the number one thing that all these people had in common was that they believed they were supposed to be successful because they had been told their whole life in our family we're successful. Our family is smart. Our family is wealthy. Our, our family is intelligent. And they basically like adopted that as a belief system. And then it became their reality. And it was completely manufactured by the environment. And similarly, uh, you know, there's, I think it's in the book Freakonomics. It's either Freakonomics or Tipping Point. I think it's Freakonomics where they talk about how in New York city, there's all this terrible crime and you know, like at the when you go into the train station, if if the little turnstile doesn't you know work, like if you jump over it, you don't have to pay. You just jump over and then hop on the train. And they were talking about how that good people who would normally pay stopped paying because so many bad people were just like jumping over the thing. And so they were like, "Well, I'm not going to pay if no one else is paying." Where normally that would be like a good person, and just like so, it works in the other direction too. I mean, I, I think that people really underestimate this one. I do too, because look at look at people working from home today, and there are a percentage of people who can activate their prey drive daily. But I would tell you, because we went from working in offices to home, I would tell you that we're a lot more productive when we're together. When there's an environment, so I'm building a greatness factory in downtown Nashville which is a place where you go to work, learn, grow, connect. You're going there to be great. It's called the greatness factory. It's not called the complacency factory. And so, so you know, it, it's this place of energy. It's like, man, I want to work at the greatness factory where the energy is good and there's environment. And when I'm in town, I lead sales rallies and every, every uh, tenant gets uh, access to my coaching programs and they can use the auditorium and the podcast studios and right, so a little city, but there'll be a lot of environment. Activators of prey drive. Because I'm working at the Greatness Factory. I want to go to work. So environment, that was a big one that I built as a coach. You know, when I went to Riverdale, they had never won a championship in 30 years. I mean, it was 1979. I had to really build an environment. So we redid the locker rooms. We we changed uniforms to nicer uniforms. Mm. We we redid the hallways. We put big things of we're the best. I brought in uh, championship rings for the players to wear. Gold ball, balls in there for them to see what they look like. A lot of visualization on what it's like to be a champion. It took me 10 years sowing this into my players. But over a 10-year cycle, they begin to believe we're the best. And when you're here, we activate the prey drive. Now, people do not wake up with their prey drive activated. I tell people this when I speak. I, just because I write motivational books, just because I wrote this book, does not mean I wake up with my prey drive activated. I wake up just like everybody else does. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm irritable. Sometimes I'm frustrated. Right. And so I teach in the book, how do you activate it every day? How do you go into battle every day? Right. King David was a great king in the Bible until he stopped going into battle. Right. And his own troops talked him out of going into battle. Right. We're at our best when we are pursuing, when we are engaging, when we're in the game. 
This is why retirement is such a bad idea for people because they quit pursuing their potential. They make themselves not as valuable in the world because, because they basically said, I'm used up, right? I don't have anything to pursue. So environment is important. And then the fifth one is embarrassment. I don't use embarrassment as a coach like negative. And some coaches do. They talk the way they talk to people. I don't do that. I talk to people from an affirmative perspective like, you know, Rory, help me to understand, man, you're the best. I brought you here because you're the best in the world at what you do, man. You have a pure, unique ability and unique talent. Help me to understand why you're not playing at the level you're really capable of playing. Help me to understand why you're doing four deals a month when you could be doing 12 deals a month. Help me to understand why you're doing this versus this. I, I speak to people in a way that they go, you know what? This is embarrassing. The way I'm playing at the level I'm playing is embarrassing to me. And I want to play at a higher level. So that's the way I talk about embarrassment in the book is you look at yourself versus your potential and you go, man, I'm not even close to where I'm capable of doing. And I want to do better. I want a better life. I want uh, to level up. Mm -hmm. I, it's funny that you use this, like this might just be my reticular activating system, but literally today I was listening to an interview with a good friend of mine, John Gordon, also a client of ours and mentor of mine. And I was listening to an interview between John Gordon was interviewing Matthew McConaughey. Mm. And he asked Matthew McConaughey, where does your, where does your willingness to work so hard come from? And Matthew McConaughey literally said, because if I didn't, I'd be embarrassed. Yeah. And he said, I would be so embarrassed to my friends, to my family, to God, to myself. I'd be so embarrassed that I never lived up to yeah. what I was capable of. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use that in a positive way. And now here today, twice in the same, in the same day, like that's really powerful. Well, um, I'm glad you said that because I actually take a contradictory view in the book of finding your why. Chapter three of, of this new book is called Screw Your Why. And it's called that because I actually, you know, I've coached people for 31 years. I think it's a great book. I think Simon Sinek is a, a genius. However, having said that, I do not believe a person has to find their why to do something big in the world. I actually believe your purpose finds you when you are taking action and pursuing a curiosity, pursuing a, something you're fascinated by. So I believe in something called because goals. See, you just said it about Matthew McConaughey. A because goal is a big reason that you do something even when you don't feel like it. Okay. Be because if I don't work hard, I'll be embarrassed because I grew up without my dad. I want to be a good dad to my kids because right when they asked Tom Brady, why he played so hard in the Super Bowl, where they came back when they were down 30 something points at halftime to the Falcons, he said, because my mom was dying of cancer and I flew her in for this game. And I didn't want to lose the Super Bowl with my mom in the stands. See what I talk about in the book are these because goals. And a because goal was a big reason because I make the argument that you can know your purpose and still not be motivated. Your prey drive still not be activated. I could know I'm supposed to coach people today, but when it came time for me to go motivate those real estate agents today, what if I didn't feel like it? Because a coach poured into me when I was six years old, changed my life. I made up my mind. I was going to spend the rest of my life pouring into other people because, because I see myself as the best at what I do because I don't want to be embarrassed by my performance. See, this is a because goal. And when I know a person's because goal, and I know the activator, the primary activator, the prey drive, I can really help a person get to a higher level because you and I both coach wealthy people. 
I mean, I've coached people making five or 600,000 a month, a million a month, 3 million a month. They still lost their prey drive. So it's not about them versus the money. It's about them versus their potential, them versus what they're really capable of doing. And I need to know their because goals and why they would want to play at a higher level. Mm -hmm. When you were talking, it reminded me. um, So I had a conversation with Ed Milet not that long ago. So we've obviously been a strategist for him. And it was after his book launch. And we were talking about like the other things that we can support and do and help him with. And we were talking about some presentation skills stuff that that we do that's really, really next level. Some of the stuff we teach about the psychology of laughter and how to create a physiological change in the audience and how to gracefully sell from stage and advanced level storytelling skills and, you know, just like mastery level stage mechanics. And I just said, I don't think he would mind me sharing this. He was asking me, he was like, okay, what do I need to do to see the training? And I, re- I literally responded. I was like, well, Ed, you're, you're already legitimately. And I said, I was like, I don't, I'm not pumping you up full of fluff. Like you're already one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And he got pretty short with me. And he literally said, he goes, Rory, I don't want to be one of the best speakers the world has ever seen. I want to be the best speaker the world has ever seen. He's like, send me the training. <laughs> And I was yeah, like, that, that activated, but that activated his prey drive. See, see when um, somebody shook Michael Jordan's hand and said, good game, it infuriated him. That activated his prey drive. When George Carl didn't acknowledge Michael Jordan at the restaurant the night before they played the supersonic, it infuriated Jordan. It activated his prey drive. Like he, he, he looked for things like, like when you say something to a guy like Milet, who is, who is, is incredible from stage and getting better every time. Like every time he gives the presentation, he's better and better and better and better. You know, that activates his prey drive, that desire to be the best, that competition to be known as the best activates prey drive. So you can see it once you have an anchor to it, what prey drive is, which is that, that killer instinct. See that moment you felt that killer instinct to my left and you don't get to my left level without having that instinct. Right. So, so it's like you, that one statement, boom, flip the switch. And that's really what I think a good coach does sometimes. It's it's something they say that activates something inside of a person. Well, well I certainly wasn't doing it on purpose. That was an accident. He, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, but it just shows you the level of intensity that he operates at. And I, I want to ask you about intensity before we go. But before we do that, you mentioned this. We've been talking about flip the switch. Okay, we've kind of gone through these five activators, but there's a whole system here for you know, basically activating this, sticking with it. I want to talk a little bit about intensity, but where do, where should people go coach if they want to pick up a copy of the book? Well, if they go to my website, coachbird.com and click on that, you can pre-order the book. When you do pre-order the book, we're giving you a lot of things, including two full days of coaching with me, one on visioneering that's coming up quick and one on January 13th called Activate, which is a full day. We also give you 90 days of prey drive for lunch, what I call pray drive for lunch, which are 90 days of sessions with me for 90 days and and a breakdown of the book on video of me breaking the book down in kind of a master class. So they go to coachbird.com, they can click there, take them to Amazon, purchase it, and then they come back and show us where they purchase it to get all the freebies. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll link up to that in the show notes for everybody. So my last little question is just the concept of in- intensity and balance balance this for me so there is you know there's complacency which you know is what it is but i've also been in you know some circles that talk about enoughness 
and going, okay, is there ever a point where you have enough to where you go, mm, I've got enough. Like I don't, I don't need to keep chasing. I don't need to keep like always moving the goalpost, so to speak. So I'm curious, I'm curious about your assessment on either the balance of enoughness with intensity or do you not do you not really believe in enoughness at all or like just what's your what's your personal philosophy there about intensity you know like intensity and rest or intensity and enoughness not i mean obviously you don't believe in complacency complacency is the enemy it yeah. sounds like but how do you reconcile that or or is that not really the concern because people spend plenty of time resting and they need to get more time getting their butt in gear like i'm just curious of your thoughts yeah, I, I do believe in rejuvenation, which means to make young again. So I operate very much like an athlete, artist, entertainer. I rest, I practice, and I play. And when I play, I want to play at such a high level that it's deeply impactful to people. But to play at that level, you need rest. You need rejuvenation. So I, I completely believe in that. I typically take one day off per week, just like the Bible says. I typically take one day where I do nothing. Okay. And, and just to myself now to your question about complacency, which is a gradual settling to a place of mediocrity, mediocre, meaning halfway up the mountain, you're gradually settling to go halfway up the mountain. My mom has been a nurse her whole life and she worked a percentage of her life in nursing homes, taking care of elderly. And I asked her one day, why did people pass away at the end of their life outside of just natural causes? And she gave me three reasons. She said, number one, they run out of money. And when they run out of money, they run out of good care. There's one nurse for every 23 residents in a nursing home. Uh, she said, number two, they run out of love. Nobody comes to see them. The only love they get is from the other residents and the people who take care of them. The family forgets about them. She said, but the real reason they pass away is they run out of purpose. They don't have something to get up and pursue. And I saw that with my own grandfather. He retired. He worked his whole life on a farm. He loved it. Get up and work and build houses. He was... He became a single digit millionaire in his life. I mean, he he was an entrepreneur and then he decided to retire. And my mother said it's almost as if the day after he retired, everything in his life went downhill. His mind went downhill. His health went downhill. And then we spent all of the money that he had earned in his life to take care of him 24 hours a day for the rest of his life. And so the a point here of why people watching this should be interested and have an intensity is that you don't want to run out of purpose. And, and the prey drive is pursuing something that is meaningful to you. Right now, the average person, average females living to 82, average males living to 78. Put that in number of days you have left on planet Earth. And that will build an intensity in you because it ain't a lot of days, right? I'm 46. You look at what, 15,000 more days. If I live to be that age, that builds intensity. I got a long way to go in a short time to get there. Big goals, big B goals. Big because goals. And that is where the intensity comes from is I got something big to do on planet Earth while I'm here. I love it. I love that. So powerful, Coach. Thank you for this. We'll link up to CoachBert.com. Y'all can go there. And uh, yeah, I'd say go check it out. Even if you're not going to buy the book, go look at what Coach is doing and the way that we've got this whole book launch structured. He's he's following the brand builders method, right? He's got a lot of a lot of insane bonuses he's giving away. He's really really over delivering. So head over to CoachBert.com, check that out, Coach. We want the best for you, man. We're good. We're excited to be on your team. We're pulling for you, and um, thank you for helping us all uh, activate this part of our life. Well, and I think the people out there, let me say this, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor working with Rory. 
And uh, for those for those out there watching, he cares deeply about the people he works with. He goes above and beyond on what's asked. He continues to follow up and text and coach. And uh, if you're out there thinking about doing this, it's been a it's been a very first class experience for us. So thank you for that. Thank you for believing in me and helping us to hit this uh, hit this list that I know that we're going to hit. All right, my friend. So yeah, we'll everyone stand by for that, Coach. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for being All here. Right. Thank you, big guy. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 